0: How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Man, we got a lot to celebrate at our church, man. Lord's doing so much stuff here, and I, I I love what God's been doing, um, in and through our groups, in and through our church, in and through our small groups, our our students. Uh, just it's just moving in so many tangible ways, and I like I've never really seen before, and I and I love it. I'm not just I'm not just picking on our church. I think it's a, a across the world. I think God is doing some pretty cool stuff. I think I think He's moving. Um, some things into position for some awesome things that we read about in Scripture, but um, I'm excited to be a part of. It. It's a great time to be alive, right? It's awesome. It's good stuff. And so, this morning, if it's your first time here at Connection Church, I don't want to welcome you. I want to give you a specific and a personal and a very uh, just a, a welcome to hear this morning. Um, you're the reason why we do what we do. You're the reason why that um, we we have people in the front at the front door waving at you and giving you awkward hugs and different things like that. You're the reason why. We have people waiting for your kids in the hallway. You're the reason why that um, we have people in the parking lot and we have people up here singing because we, we're, we're trying to reach the one, the next one. And every person in this room this morning has a one. You have the next one in your life that God is asking you to reach. And so what we're excited about, we're excited that you guys are here today, but we're even more excited about all that God's doing around us and all that we have seen him do through our church Already and recently and and last week we were reading through Colossians one. If you were not here, we were reading through Colossians chapter one, and we were talking about Christ's firstness in our life. I know that's not a word. I might not be a word, but Christ's firstness in our life, the, him being first in our life, and, and and how you know Jesus is the image of the invisible God, and He came first, and He went first, and He died a death. We were we were owed, and and you know how all those things were created by Him and through Him and for Him. Everything you see. And that because of that truth, because he's the creator and he came first, as a church, as Connection Church and Pooler at least, we will always honor him first with our time, with our treasure, and with our talent. We have to because he is his, he gets first place in all things. You can see in verse 18, it says, the reason why this is so is so that Jesus would have supremacy over all. He would have his proper place in the heavens and on earth. In all things, he would have his proper place. And what this means is if you say, Jesus is my Lord, and I'm sure if we got got a, 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 some people to raise their hand, every person in this room is like, Jesus is my Lord. Hallelujah. We had four people get baptized this morning. Amazing things happening. But if, he, if you're saying, Jesus is my Lord, that means he gets the first and the best of everything in your life. And if not, then there's an issue if you're calling yourself a Christ follower. Does that make sense? So that's where I feel like Scripture that I've been reading lately has been showing us. And, And we challenged ourselves last week. I challenged you guys, I challenged myself, we challenged us as a church to ask this question. What is the level of giving of our time, our treasure, and our talents that would unequivocally declare that Jesus is first in your life? What would that look like? What does that look like in your life? What, is, what does it look like for you, your family? What does it look like in, in how you're serving in church? How you give to, to see the kingdom come? How are, you, how are you using your gifts and abilities to, to build the church? And, and so and you, know, you can ask the question, you know, why are we challenging our body to step up and step out in this way? I'm glad you asked. Because we want to see God. We want to see God move in this place like never before. Are we on board with that? Okay, I want to see God move like never before. I want to see God move like I read about in Scripture. Would would anybody be okay with that? Because I would love to see God move like I read about in Scripture. And I believe the people that he's waiting on is us, to give him the things that belong to him. And I believe, as we know, we read in Scripture, it says if we set our hearts on him and we pray his will, that he will answer. And it says if we honor him first, he will, he will show himself to us in mighty ways and, and he will do unimaginable things here in this body, in this area, out here, around the globe through our obedience and our surrender as we follow Jesus just by simply saying and living, not just talking it out, but living in a way that proclaims to that Jesus, Lord, you are my all, you are in all, you are for all, you are all, you are, all. You are the reason why I do all that I do. The reason I wake up and go to work You're the reason, the way, the way, the reason that I'm married, you're the, you're the reason why you give me energy, you give me, you give me inspiration and and fire in my gut, Lord, to live my life the way you've called me to. And God has already done some pretty amazing things, man. Like just watching these baptisms, I got, I got so emotional in the background, just thinking about God's faithfulness. And I always go back to when we met at Pula Karate School with just four or five people. And now I look around and I see God is moving. I remember baptizing people on July the 10th of 2016 in that bapt or not that one. It was one like it, um, but in the, in the pool of karate. And I was like, man, you know what is God doing, man? It's so cool to watch His faithfulness. And we had 20 kids on this little tiny Christmas tree. Then my wife's cat is my wife's cat. I don't like cats, but she. The, the, you know all the, all the little ornaments are destroyed now, but you know we had all these we had 20 tags on there last year and they were gone in no time. And this year God we've, we're, we're able to, to reach 74 people in our community. That's amazing. That's, you say, Lord give us an opportunity. Well, here you go. That's awesome. that God gets, allows us to do those kind of things. We have new people in our area to reach, new lives to change, brokenness to heal, cities and nations to transform. That's what God is calling us to do as a church, the big C church, not just this one, but all of us as Christians, as believers in Jesus. And it's time to listen to the voice of Jesus as we read scripture. Put him first and let the power of God begin to work in our lives the way it was meant to do. And stop sitting on the sidelines because we're scared or, or we don't feel adequate or whatever. But what this means for you guys individually in each chair this morning, and I'm not pointing anybody out I'm just just saying, anybody in this room, including myself, we have a decision to make. We have a decision to make. Do we keep doing church like we've always done? We go to church, we'll sing some songs, we'll get done, we'll go eat lunch, and we'll do it again next week, right? That's church. That's been been church for so long. Is that what we're doing or or, uh, being a consumer? I'm going to consume this message. That's a great message. I got some conviction in my heart, but I'm just going to put it over here for later. You know, no. Or... Are we going to become active participators in the gospel? That means Jesus called Peter, come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. What did Peter say? Ah, i pray about it, man. I, I just, I'll put it on my prayer list, and I'll pray through it, and I'll get back to you. No, he dropped what he was doing because he knew it was the Son of God that was asking. He knew there was power there. We need to be active participators in what God is trying to do through his church, his body, and if you don't have a church home in here this morning, if you're brand new this morning, if you're not even a Christian this morning, I'm glad you're here. But this morning, we're going to be talking through some of the things that God is is moving us towards in our church some vision. Because without vision, it talks about Proverbs, people perish. We need to have a vision of where God is taking us, where he's leading us, where he's going, where we're going to follow him. And we need to decide this morning and this week, Sometime, Where are we going to be? We're drawing a line in the sand, guys, because listen, we're, we either follow Jesus or we don't. There's no gray area in our faith. There's no gray area. We follow him or we don't. There's no I'll pray about it or I'm trying. We follow him or we don't because we believe what God wants to do in this house far surpasses all that we can think or imagine. Or we're believing him for some huge things. And we want to be a church that does things with so much faith that if God does not move, we look stupid, right? That That's how, I, that's that's the kind of church that I wanna be a part of. I, and I don't even care if I'm preaching or not. You uh, you guys can come preach. I, I just wanna be a part of it. I just wanna be a part of a move of God in a way that I've never seen. Because you know, what I know about faith is that faith is built in the and it's grown in the soils of uncertainty, right? You don't always know what's coming, but I'm having faith that Jesus is gonna move because he said he would in scripture. So I'm having faith, Lord. I'm having faith. I'm following you. We can't explain it or make sense of it always. But and this is the thing. Is, and this is a, an example. How about this? Here's a huge way that God's been moving in our midst. As you all know, and I'm sure you know by now, that um, in, in five or six weeks, seven weeks, whatever, um, we're not going to be meeting here anymore. We don't, have, we don't have access to this building anymore. And about two or three weeks ago, we had a 21-day fast that we did as a church. Does anybody remember that? Okay, just making sure. I mean, I remember it well. I had nightmares about it. So anyway, listen. So look, God answered us in a huge way because we asked, we said, God, we, Lord, we want people to come into our midst and we want to see people take next steps in their faith. Four people just did that this morning. Six or eight people have signed up to be heart and soul but since then. It's just God has been moving people into action. We asked that people would take their next steps in investment. If this is your home, invest in your home and become an owner, not just a a goer, right? To to invest in that place. And then we asked that God would show us where he wanted us to meet at starting next year, starting in January. And God, as he always does in ways that are unexpected always, he answered. He answered in a big way. He answered like, listen, two days after our fast, God provided options for buildings for us, which is good. I can celebrate that. And I, I'll, just, I'll just give you a, just a quick run through it. And this is how I know it's God, because I look, and I'm not sure if you know anything about pooler, but it's super expensive, man. Um, and so we looked at places that were super, like you know, this amount of money, this amount of money, this amount of money a month, or per square foot for buildings, and I just looked and I was like, God, do you know we're a church plant? You know we're brand new. We don't. It's kind of hard to do this, Lord. And so I just I said, You're the God of miracles, right? And so we got to the place. And we got to a place, and, and 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 God just revealed something two days after our fast. It was not on the internet because I could be a real estate agent at this point because I've looked at every single place in this area, um, and so it was not there before. And I, we prayed, we prayed, we prayed. All of a sudden, this ad pops up, and it was for a place that was huge, more than we need, for 25 cent a square foot. Talk about an answer to prayer, right? And so I'm sitting there thinking about, like, God, is this you, Lord? Is this you? my fate? My flesh is like, God, is this you, Lord? He's like, uh, what? So, so I'm let, he, He's he, he is moving. And we had a decision to make. God, we, have, we had an easy choice that would be pretty much a lateral move where we're like sitting here doing the same thing over and over and over again. Or we had a, we had a decision that is going to give us greater ministry opportunities to reach more people to be able to reach out into our community more, to be able to have a home base, to send people, missionaries out, to be able to send people out into our communities to reach people that that don't know Jesus or have been burned or hurt by the church. And we have a place of operations that we can do that. We had a decision to make. We chose and we're choosing to be able to walk with the Lord by faith because we believe that faith is built and grown in the soils of uncertainty because we have no idea what's coming. And I'm excited because God is in control and he's gonna move the way he wants to move and we're gonna follow. And because we believe and we now have proof, if you look at Ephesians 3, chapter chapter three, verses 20 and 21, it says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we seek, all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. And that is a verse that is, because of that, because we have proof, because we believe that now, we're going to echo what Moses said when God commanded him to lead the people into the promised land in Exodus 33. It says this, The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up there. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? What else would distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Unless you go with us, Lord, we're not going. That's what we said, and that's what we promised. And listen, we have seen God walk with us every single step of the way. Me and my wife, Savannah, look at each other daily and say, are we crazy? Because two, like, there's, 2016, we just said, hey, we, we feel like God's calling us to plant a church in Pooler. Y'all know anybody in Pooler? Absolutely not. I heard about a guy named Carson and Kelly Fortner. They, they, had a, they, they went to Connection in Statesboro. Let's just try to talk to them. So we called them. Carson didn't email him back for like three or four months. And so then I was like, well, maybe this guy don't want to hang out with me. So I, I'm just kidding. It was a few days. But I'm just picking on Carson. But, but listen, through God's faithfulness, we just took steps. Another step. Another step another step, not knowing a single person in pool to having a relationship with every single person in this room on some level. That's awesome. That's so cool, man, to watch God move, to seeing, looking in this room and seeing God providing a place for us to meet over the past year. God's sovereignty to meet in in the pool of karate for the year before that. And now as we move on to the next chapter for Connection Church in January, I am pumped about what God's gonna do. What's he going to do, man? What's he going to do? Like, we really, we really, we really believe to our core that when we're serving Jesus, that our best days are always ahead of us. Always, always ahead of us. The things that are coming are always better than the things that are behind. We like to say it, um, the best is yet to come. You see it on shirts everywhere. Because of this, because of what we believe God is doing over the next four weeks, we're going to be doing a series. It's called Greater. Yes, rather. there, Greater. Because we believe God is calling us to greater things. Greater things, greater things are to come. And there's four weeks. And this this first week, we're going to talk about um, God is calling us to a greater reliance on him. A greater reliance on him. Leaning into him instead of me. Leaning into him instead of my finances or my, my security. Leaning into God to let him show me the way. Next week, um, after Thanksgiving, I'm I'm sure it'll be kind of barren here, but it's okay. We have podcast technology, baby. Well, next week, we're having a, a greater church investment is what we're looking at. The week after that, we believe God's calling us to a greater community influence, to influence our community in a greater and mightier way. And then lastly, on the last week, December the 9th, we're looking at God is calling us to a greater global impact to see God send us to the nations, the people that are unreached, to go to those places and to be able to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is that exciting anybody else in here? Because I'm pumped about that. That's awesome. And so this morning, as we, as we, as we get through this, like, my main goal of this series is to ask a question. There's two goals. My main goal is to ask a question. Is God the one thing in your life that drives everything else? Is God the one thing in your life that drives everything else in your life? Does Jesus get the first and the best, or does he get the leftovers? Does he drive everything? And the secondary goal we want to accomplish is over the next four weeks, we want to be praying together as a church about how God wants us to give and see the things he's calling us to do as a church come to pass. And at the end of these four weeks, we'll be having a time of commitment where we'll, be, we'll be, you'll have the chance to say as a, as a body, as a people, as a family, I'm all in. I'm in on what this vision is. I'm in on what God is calling us to do. I believe in what this word says about God wants to reach the nations. And listen, I'm not I'm not promoting a single church. I'm promoting the big C church. But if this is where God has planted you at, I say get planted and get invested. If it's not, if God's calling you somewhere else, get planted wherever you're at, but don't bounce around. Go where God has called you and get planted in those places and make sure it's a gospel-centered church, Okay off my chest. All right, so listen, we're going to have a chance to do that on December the 9th, the same day you're supposed to bring your presents back for the gift. Easy to remember, right? And so we'll be also taking, what we'll be doing, we'll be taking an above and beyond offering on that day. We'll ask everyone that calls Connection Home what, what God is leading them to give above and beyond their normal giving. This is not for, it's not like a replacement thing. It's, it's, a, it's a time where we're giving on top of what God's called us to do. Because we, we want you to ask you, like, here's what I need you to do. I need the people who call Connection Church home. We need to be leaning into God, leaning and start praying. Because you know what? You might pray and God might say nothing. Don't do anything. But you might lean in and pray and God might say, this is what I want you to do right here. I want you to do this. I want you to pray and I want you to be obedient to what he's calling you to do, not what a pastor calls you to do, and not what people in the audience call you to do. What God is calling you to do. Our goal, listen, our goal is to have a church that says, listen, this is my church and I'm going first saying, Lord, this is is what it looks like, God, for me to to put you first, to see your kingdom first in my house. Now, we have a big goal. Our goal is to raise $10,000 in funds to expand and renovate the building that God has provided for us. It's a big goal, right? It's crazy. Michael, what are you talking about? But listen, I believe it's more than that. Half of that is going to go towards outreach and missions in our area where we're going to be at, and half of it is going to go to our building that we're going to try to build out for us to be able to meet in. So the next four weeks, I want us—I want you to commit to being here every week if you can. If you're, if you're not understanding Thanksgiving, all that stuff, and commit to praying. More than being here, pray. Pray that God will move in our hearts because at the end of this series on December night, we're going to have a very special time. Where we're going to interact with one another and we're going to have a special time of commitment and investment in what God is doing through our church and what he wants to begin to do through us as we move into the future. And our hope, my hope, is that one day, We'll turn around and look back like I just did. I just reminisced with you. We'll turn around and look back at these four weeks and say this was the launching pad for something greater than we ever imagined possible. And we were able to watch Jesus begin to work in our house that had a ripple effect that carries on into eternity for people being reached and affected with the gospel of Jesus. Can you imagine in 10 years looking back and seeing us have sending hundreds of missionaries overseas to reach people? Can you imagine how awesome that would be? Can you imagine us reaching out into our community and having a sustainable ministry? Not just something where we're volunteering on a Saturday and saying, no, I did my job. But we're having a sustainable energy, uh, ministry where we're able to, to invest in people's lives in a way that changes them, changes their hearts and changes who they are because of what Jesus has done for them and Jesus is being revealed through us. It's never, ever, and it's never going to be about money at this place, I swear. But it will always be about our hearts to see the kingdom come in this area, about our obedience to what God is calling us to do as a church and to do it boldly, not to do it half-heartedly, to go boldly into what he's called us to do about, about our hearts turning towards heaven and saying, God, it's about you. Not about me, it's not about a pastor, it's not about a church, it's about the kingdom of God and seeing it come to earth. That's what it's about. God has given you, given me, one and only life We have one life, YOLO, right? And when we see, and when we see the one true God for who he really is, when the eyes of your hearts are open and you truly see who Jesus is, then we see that we owe him our one and only life, right? The one and only God deserves our one and only life. And the first and the best of everything that we have. And this is what's so awesome. God has invited us into his story. God doesn't need us. He doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our time. God can speak anything He wants to into action. He can do whatever He wants to. But he loves us so much that He's invited us in to what He's doing in the world. And I want to be a part of it. I, I want to be so much a part of it, man, like, that I, I can just see Him move in a mighty way, what He's doing in our, co- our county, our country, and our world. And so this morning, as we do this, I want to I pray for us really quick. And we're going to blow through this in a few minutes because it's nothing. there's not much left, but... I just wanna pray for us and I just wanna honor God in this time we're gonna be reading through scripture. Lord, we love you. I thank you for who you are. God, you're the first the last, the beginning, the end. You're the, the creator of all things. You're the You're the only thing good in this house. God, we praise you for who you are. We praise you for being a God that, that loves us. We praise you for being a God that, that that sustains us and gives us life, Lord. I just pray that you'd be honored in this time, Lord. Just bless the reading of the word, bless the, the words that, are, that come out of my mouth, Father. I pray that they would just be seasoned with you. Lord, I just love you. It's in your name I pray, amen. So the first week of this series, we wanna look at what we believe the first thing God is calling us to do as a church. And we believe he's calling us to have a greater reliance on him. Can anybody in this room use a greater reliance on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? I can, I believe we all can. This is not and never will be about Connection Church, but will always and only be about Jesus Christ. And his reign in our life. That's what it's about. If you talk to me for five minutes, I promise you, you'll understand. I just want you and your family and everybody you've ever met in your life to know Jesus. Okay? That's my heart for you. And this is not about a a specific people or a specific church. And as we seek to honor God in all that we do here, and as we seek to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus, that's our goal. We believe that he's moving us into a greater reliance on him with all that we do as a church, from the kids area to the greeters to the people sitting in the seats to the person preaching, so that we can see him move in a greater way around us. Because if I'm leaning into him, there's an unlimited amount of power that Jesus poured out on the cross through the gospel for us to be, we have access to, to see the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Y'all with me with that? We believe with all our hearts that Connection Church is not just a church, but it's a movement of what God is calling people to do, for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus. And that's how I look in Scripture, and I see the original church doing it. They've given themselves to Jesus completely. And so, so we've already talked about this one time, but my questions for you this morning are this. Is God the one thing that drives every other thing in your life? Is it? Get real with yourself for a second. You don't have to answer, obviously, because we're in a corporate setting, but is he the thing that drives everything else? Is he the motivating factor of every part of your life? Does he motivate what you do with your time, your energy, your talents, your resources? Does he drive everything? If not, what is the one thing? What's the one thing? Is it a relationship? Is it a job? Is it money? What is it that drives everything in your life? Is it a need for love? What would it look like in your life, in my life, if we truly gave God all? What would it look like? What would it look like if one person after another person after another person after another in this room gave God their all? And one of the saddest things that I've witnessed in our culture is Christians who try to follow Jesus while also trying to live in the world. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Doing what the world does worrying about what the world worries about. And that never works. Do we have any fishermen in this room? I know we got two or three. Um, So I have a grandpa and he used to take me fishing all the time. And he used to have this old rickety little boat. And I used to have the hardest time getting in that boat from land or from the dock because I would try most of the time getting out of it because I would try to step on the dock and I would have my foot in the boat. And guess what would happen? I would go a little bit further than I knew how to go with my, with my legs. You know what I mean? I wasn't that flexible. I still ain't. You know what I mean? And so what this will do, it'll tear you apart. You end, up in the, you end up slamming into the dock. You end up in the water. You end up messed up. And this is what I see the church has done for so long. We try to follow Christ and we try to live in the world. We straddle that fence where we're on the dock and we're on the boat. And sooner or later, anybody who's ever seen this scenario play out is hilarious. Sooner or later, you got to commit the one way or the other. You got to commit to the dock, or you got to commit back to the boat, right? You see this? Because because if you're not, you're gonna end up in the water, or you're gonna end up hurting yourself. And we come, listen, look how crazy this is. It's crazy to me. We come to church, we hear a message, a message whether it's here or any church in the world about the truth of the gospel, who Jesus is. We walk down a hall, or we pray a prayer with a friend. We make some exterior changes of some more behavior modifications. We clean ourselves up, but not much changes after that. That's that's the that's been the mantra of the American church: exterior changes, interior. Just it's, it's, this is my area, Lord. You know. And so instead, what we do is we set up our lives around some sort of security. It could be money, it could be relationships, it could be uh, possessions, it could be anything in the world, education, jobs, whatever. What we do is we set them up, we set these security things up to make us feel better about our next 20, 30, 40, 50 years to make sure we're, we're taken care of in our later years. That's what we do, right? We compartmentalize our lives in such a way it makes us feel safe and we feel safe. No one, But, but no one thing touches the other thing in our compartment. This is my church friends. Y'all ever had y'all's church friends meet your meet your work friends before? It gets weird. You know what I mean? it shouldn't. You know what I mean? It's, it's you're one person. It should be the same thing, but it's it's weird because you have the work compartment and you have the church compartment and then you have the Bible study compartment, and then you have all this kind of stuff. But listen, please hear me right, okay? I'm not saying there's there's anything wrong with saving, because the Bible, if you read the entire Bible, the Bible actually promotes saving saving for your family. But it doesn't promote putting your faith and your trust in your savings. Putting your faith and your trust in your job and your relationship and your money and your and your all that stuff. We think we have this thought process. If I can get to this dollar amount, that dollar amount that's my goal I can retire. Right? That's our that's our goal. That's that's the American way of the dream. And I'm not I'm not again I'm not saying that's wrong. We're looking for that feeling of rest and security and comfort, and we're seeking it in the wrong places because it can only be found in Jesus. That feeling that you're looking for, that I'm looking for, can be found in one place, and that's it, Jesus. Jesus is the only way. We seek financial security. We buy insurance for everything we own. We have an insatiable desire and appetite for more things to cater to our comforts and our pleasures and our conveniences. And really, if you get down to the root of the problem, it's the control problem. I mean, just being real. It's, in my life, that's what it is. It's a control problem. I want to control how I die, when I die. I want to control my family. I'm making sure they're well, making sure they're taken care of. And, and I forget that God is the only one that controls. We, have, we save money to be comfortable in our retirement years and all the, and all the while we leave God out of that whole equation. Now listen, what if God came down in your prayer time and said, I don't want you to retire? What do you do then? Does that mess up your stuff? Does that mess up your compartments at all? It wouldn't be, I'd be like, Lord, I don't know about that. Listen, what if look, what or who is the source of your security? What or who who is the source of security? Listen, we love to come and sing songs with Thomas about us surrendering all. I surrender. Because it's such a romantic song. Because your heart wants to surrender all. Your heart wants to. Your flesh doesn't want you to. We love to sing songs. We say, Lord, hallelujah, I'm blessed and highly favored, Lord. You, you got it all. And then we walk out and we don't act like it. We talk it, but we don't live it. But my question for us this morning and for me and for you, for all of us as, as, as Christ followers, do our lives tell a story of God's faithfulness and sovereignty? God, without God, I wouldn't be here. Without God, I would not be alive right now. Without God, I couldn't have done this or this or this. Without God, I wouldn't do anything. But is it tell him that or... Is it more of a highlight reel for our own accomplishments and our attempts to create a more comfortable and secure life while ignoring or brushing off the Great Commission and what God's calling us to do? Does that make sense? So my question for you is, which one is it? And so uh, this morning, to see God move in your life and in this church, there has to be a dependency in his presence, being the only thing that can bring you peace you comfort, you fulfill in your lives. Your your lack of Bible study or prayer during a week sometime should give you more anxiety and pain than you losing some money. It should, it has to, because he's the source of life. No amount of money, no amount of relationships, no amount of accomplishments will ever truly satisfy us. It will never satisfy your heart, it never will. Ask Tom Brady, he said, there's something missing. I got like 15,000 Super Bowl rings. I've passed for a million yards, and, and I've done this and this, but something's missing. I, well, I, I wish I had his number. I said, bro, it's Jesus is missing. That's what's missing. You have to understand, we, we have to get to a place where we have a proper view of who we are as people. We're people who have sin in our hearts. We're sinners. And we're, we're in our sin, we're dead. In our sin, we were lost. In our sin, we have no hope. But in Ephesians 2, it says, but God the best words in the world, but God, because he loved you. That's it, just because he loved you. But we want to answer beyond that, just because he loved you. Just because he loved you, he sent Jesus to die in your place. That's what gives us hope, just because he loved you. Wow. That's why we go, to share that glory with the world. And when we see that great price that was paid for our eternal security, we get the great responsibility to share that through the way that we live our lives to the world where we're going, sharing, loving. And I'm not talking about works. I'm not talking about works. I'm not talking about works. I'm talking about an outward expression of an inward thankfulness to the gospel. I'm talking about an outward expression because when you get the gospel, you give it away. Anybody who gets the gospel, gives the gospel away. It's it's a fact. That's not up for debate. If you receive the gospel, you can't help but give it away. That's what, that's what the gospel is about. It's about giving it away so people can know Jesus. There's no choice in that. In our hearts, they have to begin to cry, Lord Jesus, without you, everything else is a cheap imitation of security and peace. Without you, everything else is an imitation. It's fake. It's an illusion. It's a delusion that Satan puts in front of our minds to distract us from what he's calling us to do in the world. Go go to all nations. Well, wait till I get. I'll do that in my retirement. I'll go over here. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna make my millions. Of the, no, go to all nations. That's across the street. and That's across the world. You're saying I'm depending on you, Lord. I'm depending on you because you satisfy my heart. You're everything. You're my life. Is what it says in Colossians two. You say I breathe. I breathe because you allow me to, Lord. When you get that, you put. You get put in your place. I breathe because you allow me to. My heart beats because of the mercy that you've given me to let my heart beat, Lord. Lord, there's no, every morning that I get up is a blessing, Lord. Because without you giving me the grace to walk, to have my brain function the way it functions, I can't get up from my bed, Lord. Lord, everything is about you, but somehow we've turned our focus inward about us, how I've been hurt how I've lost track, how I need to make money, how I need to give and how I need to do and how I need to go and who loves me and who don't love me. Jesus loves you, that's all you need to know. Our culture calls this weakness, doesn't it? Is that right? This is weakness in our culture. But let me tell you this, if more reliance on Jesus is the goal, then weakness is an advantage. Is that right? If more reliance on him is the goal then weakness is an advantage the great listen think about this and i've learned this as we were looking for buildings the greater your need the greater god's glory in the provision right the greater your need the greater god's glory in provision someone who's dying of cancer god comes in and shows himself as the healer guess what that person's going to do they're going to testify about jesus being a healer and they're going to be excited about it because they changed their lives were changed listen The greater your weakness, the greater the chance of God has to display his power through your life. So I'm going to be like Paul. I'm going to step back and, Lord, I'm weak. I need you. You've got to do it or I can't work. I can't move. I can't breathe. I can't live without you. And we've seen this firsthand in our search in our in our church as we move forward. And, and you know, I'm, the passage we're going to read this morning is, is Proverbs three. As we close here in a second, it was, I know this is a weird dynamic, but this is what it is. Proverbs three, verses five through six. And this is an age old proverb that you've read a million times. What's the first word? Trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I, I I'm not a I'm from Brooklyn, Georgia, so I can't read good. So you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And I believe in most passages, it's capitalized, is that right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. It doesn't say trust in your wife with all your heart. It doesn't say trust in your husband with all your heart. It doesn't say trust in your finances with all your heart. It doesn't say trust in your retirement with all your heart. It it says trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your what? Understanding Who in here can say, hey, I have all understanding in all the world? No, nobody can. I mean, if you can, that'd be awesome, but you can't. Jesus has that. He's the sovereign one, not me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Why? Because he has it all. The next verse says, in all your ways. If you have a pen, circle all your ways. All your ways is all-encompassing. There's no... Trust the Lord with all your heart with your relationship. That's included in all your ways. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will do what? Make your path straight. Who would love to have a straight path in life? Me. That, we all want a straight path in life. It's easy. The equation's here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. and me our understanding. all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. My question, my question excuse me, my question today is if we, listen, I love to ask hard questions because I ask them to myself first, so hear that, okay? My question today is if we don't trust God with our time, how I spend my time, with our treasure, how we spend our time, resources, and money, with our talents, our gifts, how we serve, how we love people out the doors, how can we say we trust him with our soul? Does that make sense? If we, can, if we, can, if we, if we can't trust him with those things, how can I trust him with my soul? If we aren't faithful in these three areas, how can we truly believe that we're being faithful to him in being on mission? Does that make sense? Are you with me with this? Because this is huge. This is scripture. And I have one point today. It's one point. Nothing of eternal value has ever been accomplished apart from dependency on God. Nothing. Dependency on God. What if the problem with our American churches with our church, with the church, Big C Church in general, is that we're not we're not dreaming big enough. We're not thinking big enough. We're not looking ahead big enough. What what if we're not believing God for enough and depending on ourselves too much? You know, what? I believe one of the reasons the church has largely not looked like the Acts church for so long is that it's dreamed too small and hasn't taken God at his, at his word that I read in scripture. And so without a God-sized vision, guys, you'll always be tempted to depend on who? You. Without a God-sized vision, with something bigger than you, you will always be tempted to trust in self first and God last. What if the comfort you seek, what if the certainties and and the pleasures and the comforts and all those things you're craving today is the deadly recipe for complacency that will draw your heart? further and further from God later. Think about that for a minute. Think about those things. Because it happens slowly. It's not an overnight thing. The enemy draws you away slowly. with things, the world, the comfort. Well, the comfort and the certainties and and the conveniences that we're craving today is actually a deadly recipe for complacency that will draw your heart away from God. We need to give God our all, guys. It has to be that way. Your time is a gift. How many understand that? Your time is a gift. You don't have a specific amount of time on the serve that has been promised to you. It's a gift and a tool. It's not just a gift. The gift has a purpose. It's a tool to be used for the kingdom of God. Your talent—it's a gift. Glory to God, you're able to do some cool things and you're able to speak in certain ways. It's awesome. It's a gift. But guess what? It's also what? A tool to be used for the kingdom, to be used to reach people. Your treasure, what God's blessed you with, it's a gift. God's given it to you. Not one cent in your bank account has been given to you other than God allowing it to be there. But it's also a tool to see the kingdom built, to see God's glory revealed to the nation's And let me tell you this, not one sane person that ever lived has ever, ever, ever found comfort in their possessions on their deathbed. Not one person. Not one sane person. But they do regret not spending more time with people or or talent or going, or or, or the things that matter or giving their treasures away with intention. They do regret not following Jesus. Why? How do I know this? people on their deathbeds never ask for financial advisors they just don't they ask for preachers why they ask for preachers or priests why they know they need jesus they know they need something that they can't control don't wait until that moment give it now as we close right now i want to go back to my question yes we asked last week what or who gets your best and your first your first and your best what or who gets it is it jesus is it his mission, or is it still you? Are you still trusting yourself more than God? Are you giving more to yourself than you give back to God? What are you doing? Right, and the second question I have, and this is probably the most important, are you listening to the Holy Spirit and obeying him? My next question on top of that one is, Do you, do you have you heard the voice of the Spirit speak to your heart? And if you haven't, let's talk about that, because it might mean you need Jesus. And that's the starting point, that's the thing, and you can check this out in the book of Acts. You can look in the first two chapters of Acts. When the church was growing so explosively, what you had was a group of people. What did they do? They came to worship and they did all this. No, they, they did all that, but they just simply listened to the Holy Spirit and what did they do? They did what he said. You look in Acts, the Holy Spirit shows up 59 times. 59 times, I counted. It's awesome, 59 times. I just, I, I'm pumped about that. You think about and what you see because of those acts, one simple act of obedience to God can accomplish more than all the talent in the entire world. One simple act of, of obedience can accomplish so much more than all the talent. An illustration I'll give you as we go. Jesus clearly told the apostles in chapter 1 of Acts that he wanted the gospel to be preached in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. But by Acts 2, 2 or 3 years, or Acts 8, 2 or 3 years down the line, They still hadn't managed to get the gospel outside of Jerusalem. That all changes with the story of Philip in Acts 8. Philip's just hanging out, doing things, and the angel comes up to him and says, Hey, go down to the desert road. He didn't say why. He said, Okay. He goes, obeys the Holy Spirit. On his way, as he was going, as he was obeying, Philip meets this eunuch from Ethiopia. And he's reading Isaiah 53. He, he meets him there. Philip starts in Isaiah 53, leads him to Christ. Some things you don't have to pray about. Okay, God puts you in that position, leads somebody to Christ. He leads him to Christ. Listen to this. Pay attention if you haven't listened to anything else i will said. This, this Ethiopian eunuch, this guy gets saved. He gets baptized in a church's story, and I can, I can give you the documents later if you want to see them. It records that this eunuch... This particular eunuch goes back to Ethiopia and starts a church planning network that still has influence today in that region. How incredible is that from that one act of obedience? That's so awesome, man. And are you hearing from the Holy Spirit? You may say, I don't have much money or time or talent. It don't matter. It all, all that matters is if you surrender to Jesus. Have you surrendered? And are you being obedient to what he's calling you to do? The widow in Luke 21 had two mites that she gave to the temple. You know how much those two mites were worth? One-eighth of one cent. She was being obedient to what God had called her to do. God provides the results. We provide the faithfulness and the trust. And I believe the very faith, the very future, the very life of our church depends on on our level of dependency on God. Do we depend on Him for everything? I believe the future of our community depends on what happens in this season of transition i believe that your spiritual walk depends on your reliance to god and so where are you today are you more worried about it being 12 20 are you worried about your heart where are we at this is the last thing do you know jesus this morning do you know him i was in the hallway a second ago because as a pastor you have to ask questions to people who are getting baptized hey man what what tell me your heart because we don't want to just we don't want to just go through the motions and I asked the girl. I said, "Hey, what, why are you doing what you're doing today?" She says, "Well, I got baptized one time before, and um, I just I did it because I, I knew Jesus in my head. But now I know him in my heart, and I need to make that call." And she and so I, and Eric was back there crying a minute ago because me and Eric cry a lot. Sorry, man, bust you out. <clears throat> so, so, we were sitting in the back during worship, and he told me while she was getting baptized, she had tears in her eyes because she knew Jesus. She knows the Lord. Knowing who he is won't save you. Knowing who he is won't save you. You can do all the facts about Jesus in the world and still die apart from him. But you gotta know him in your heart. You gotta have a relationship with him where you know him so well that you just you're connected in a way that you can't explain. You can't depend on God like we've been talking about today until you have depended on him for his salvation. Is that you today? Don't leave this place the same. Don't let the gospel message become numb to you. Because you can hear this over and over and over again. And I've had conversations with people say, I know I need to do this, but I know I need to do this, but. And you hear it over and over and over again. And pretty soon the voice gets fainter and fainter and fainter. The knot becomes fainter and fainter and fainter. And that's sad. The scariest, terrifying, because we cannot die apart from Christ and expect to live with God forever. And it requires a response. The gospel requires a response. And not responding is rejecting. Jesus loves you. He's not surprised by where you are. He's not surprised by what you've done. And he's not surprised by where you're going. So this morning, if you've never met Christ, if you've never had a real relationship, you may have known him in your head, but you've never known him in your heart. And you want to make that call this morning. You want to say yes to Jesus. Then we as a church want to celebrate that with you. So if that's you this morning, I want to ask you to be really bold and raise your hand so we can pray with you. Is there anybody here this morning that wants to take that step? I'm just going to drink water until I say that. Okay, for all the rest of you, that means we need to be holding each other accountable, be pushing one another towards Jesus. For the person that didn't raise your hand in here this morning, I love you. I'll speak to you one-on-one. Let's do this. But I want to tell you, God's got a plan for you, and it's bigger than you ever thought or think or can imagine. So this morning, dig in, invest, buy in. And we'll see you next week. Let me pray for you, and we'll go. Father, we love you. God, we just honor you. We lift you high because you're the only one that needs to be lifted high. You're the only one that deserves the glory. God, we praise you for who you are and what you've done. Thank you for these four people who got baptized this morning. Lord, I pray that you would just walk with them as they go throughout life, God, that you would just raise them up in a way that shows them how beautiful and faithful that you are and how much you have for them in their life. God, we just give you all the glory that you've done here. I pray that you would just move us into the future, Father, in ways that you um, want us to, and we would be obedient to that, Lord. I pray as people leave, God, that we would just uh, love, God, that they would just see how much you love them, Lord. We just ask all this in Jesus' name.